Hello out there. We're on the air. It's, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight. The beers are cold. The mics light up. And, and the, the boys, boys get set to fight. The gloves come off. Opinions get thrown. And someone slips on ice. One man howls. The other scowls. But the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time. With hockey flows. And Marshawn's nose. And Pierre Maguire's life. Not John's a leaf. Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife. When Carey slumps. And Benjamin stumps. Durant's not LaFontaine. Jokes aside, it's podcast time. And Rink Moose is the name. Oh, hockey game is the best game Greetings and salutations. And welcome to episode 26 of the Rink Moose podcast. This time, happy to be joining you all from the Rink Moose studio here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thank God. (laughs) I am one of your hosts, Nick Costu, along with my good pal, the annoying fellow who just interjected rudely, (laughs) of course, as per usual, Kyle Nice. Kyle, how are you doing on this fine Saturday night hockey night in Canada? Nick, as much as I don't want to see you very much, this uh, this office we're in is, is is a few shades better than my closet back at home. So I'm I'm quite happy to be here. And uh, with that said, I have to lay a huge egg on you. I'm sorry. What's I'm this? Uh, I'm going to be quitting fantasy hockey next year, as wow. you know. As you know, the draft picks are flying all over the board. So I'm quitting fantasy hockey, and I'm going to start uh, start a new little fantasy. I'm gonna start my bachelor fantasy. The bachelor fantasy. It's uh, it's really taken the taken my household by storm. My workmates are all into it uh, over at TSN there. So, yeah, you know what? Uh, it offers a bit more drama than your typical Leafs and Habs game. Okay, so j- I don't want to get too deep into this, but as, <laughs> as 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 you know, and all the other bachelor fans know, is they're getting to the end here, are they not? They are getting to the end. So Colton. I don't know anything about Colton the, Underwood. Okay, yeah, I have no context about this season. He's but lying. For he any, knows any all of, about Any it. of those listeners <laughs> tuning in, who's the favorite here? Who's who? Your money on here in these final few weeks? For all you listeners, I know you're watching this shit. <laughs> so uh, I'll just put it out there. I got a favorite out there, and uh, everyone else is gunning for her. Her name's Cassie. I don't know her last name. Cassie out there, and uh, you know what? There's some drama brewing. We, we had a little preview of her getting into a skirmish with Kerpa. <laughs> Who's Kerpa? <laughs> she's, she's one of the boring ones. Okay. So Kerpa feels threatened, and she's obviously trying to start shit next, next week. So sparks are going to fly, Nick, and I, I simply can't wait for the action. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to – I have no interest in tuning in here, but, like, I, I will just tune in till the end just to see if this name of yours ends up winning because that will basically tell me whether or not you have odds of – turning into some bachelor fantasy, you know, expert come next year and whether or not I take this seriously. Oh, Nick, I'm going to I'm going to be start be uh start putting money on this. This could be a cash cow for the uh the Rink Moose uh community wow. here. Wow. So if you're listening and you want to get some extra dollars in your pocket, uh you know, maybe I start throwing in a little weekly bachelor update. Who knows? You're gonna you're gonna start making an episode soon enough. Your own your own podcast. Oh your my own god. Bachelor podcast. Bot- oh. Now that's an idea. Folks, we're rebranding Rink Moose. All of Hell a sudden, no. we're Bachelor Hell Moose. No. <laughs> we'll give we'll give you a one, we'll give you a thirty second segment every week, but not a show. We'll replace the Pierre Maguire segment. Uh, I don't know if that can be replaced. But. <laughs> he uh, he's cut from the show. He doesn't have any newsworthy anecdotes today, does he? Or for this past uh, week? No, he's been pretty quiet. I mean, he's ha- he's quiet, having to keep yeah. it low week after all, yeah. you know, the, the scandals and the allegations. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, no. he's, keep, he's keeping it on the down low. Absolute best behavior from Pierre, I guess. But, well, Nick, I mentioned the Leafs and Habs. It was quite the doozy from this past week. Probably the most notable game out there. Uh, it was just an OT thriller. I think, what was it, 5-4, to 4-3-ish? Four, four to three-ish? I think it was lower than 5-4. It was a while ago at this point. Yeah, last Saturday. Game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, last week. But uh, it, it really got uh, got everyone chattering on the on the internet here, and it uh, it begs the question. And I want to ask you this: uh, What is your favored round one matchup for Toronto? We got a couple options here. Things could change, but I think they're pretty settled into their second place spot in the Atlantic. There, 
obviously we've got Boston and then we've got Montreal. And to be fair, Nick, those are really your only two options when you consider this first round matchup. I don't see anyone else slithering into that uh, that third wild or sorry, third in the Atlantic spot. Well, uh, you look at it right now, and there's there's a good six point gap between first and the wild card in their spot there second. That's between Montreal and Toronto. They still have two games against each other. Another one coming up yeah, next Saturday. That's huge. That'll be big. So. If you ask me, those are two games you get head to head. If you're Montreal, you got to be looking at those. Um, and honestly, you asked me the question from the top here: what, what matchup I'd rather have? From both a fan perspective, in terms of what I want to see and who I think would be the most advantageous opponent, I got to go with the New York Islanders. Hmm. This this is a team who I think they can easily run on over, given they're just a rookie team. They're just they're like a Columbus from two years ago, a team who just got in and they're happy to be there and aren't necessarily expecting to make a run. I know they're first in their division right now, but you know I don't know if, if Washington and Pittsburgh, if, if they're going to stay in their nap for too long, because to me it looks like they're just napping and they're going to wake up sometime soon. So I could see them, uh, you know, I, I just can't see them being a threat in the playoffs. And, and I think it would be great to see Lamorello versus Dubis, mm. that whole feud. It would, it would just be great. Tavares coming back, the fans getting on Tavares. Uh, I, I, I would just, it, as much as I'm a Leaf fan and I'd love obviously to see them win that series, what material it would be for just sports drama in general. If, mm. if John Tavares loses that series to the, to the Islanders, I think that would be really something. That's the reporter in you talking, Nick. That's the, uh, the media man in the making yeah. is, uh, is showing his true colors here. Now what you're asking though is extremely, extremely unlikely because uh, you know they're in, they're in different divisions, so we'd have to see Toronto jump Tampa, and then uh, or, or Toronto fall to the wild card. I guess that's what. Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. They fall yeah. to the first wild card. Boy, Montreal oh boy. leaps them. Boston leaps but, them. Yeah, and and we get an Islanders and Leafs. You know what? Uh, it just yeah that that is more possible than I thought. It just hinges on a couple things here. Now, we've all been saying I th- we think Boston's most likely to load up at the deadline. Out of, out of those three guys. Montreal is sort of teetering on the fence, you know. They've kind of filled in their bottom six with a couple good guys who we'll mention later, Dale Weiss and Nate Thompson. But uh, whether they think they're in a position organizationally to make a big move like that and trade away futures for a big piece, I don't see it. So out of the three of those guys, I don't see Montreal making any big uh, leaps and bounds forward. So uh, again, very unlikely, but uh, what a storyline that would be! Truly, truly, and, and greatly that so, would be. So your picks, Montreal Leafs. Ah, Nick. the duel. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, and just get. Let's get this off the record here. I know this was leaked earlier in September when we were doing our predictions. Just so everyone knows, this man I'm talking to is a Leafs and Habs fan. For all of you who who who, who actually think that's something that can exist, it does exist in this world. I, I, everyone he's mentioned this to has thought he's just been such a phony. He's a phony fan. People That's say that. That's what you are. Yes. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned that I don't want to see either of these teams go down in the first round. That would just be heartbreaking. So I don't want to see a Leafs-Habs, although at the same time, for the storyline, for the drama, for the history, I really want it to happen. Bob Cole calling those games? Oh, he's, if only he was still around to call he, it. He, he would. I, I, he would? I, you he think probably, he'd come he'd back? He'd come out of retirement just oh to call God. that series. Absolutely. I think he would. They'd See, make him. Yeah, that would be uh, just an <laughs> epic story, Bob. Because you know what? I, I can't picture a Montreal playoff game without Bob. Like, he's just so ingrained in that uh, in that uh, space. Oh, I, I, I think you're right. It's yeah. a huge letdown for to see a playoff game without Bob Cole, yeah. but that's, uh, that's what it's like. So, you know what? On that topic, just quickly, I, I think the Habs are right where they want to be. I think you're right. Uh, they they want to face New York Islanders over the Leafs any day. Islanders they've been great defensively, but they've got some they've got some you know they've got some negatives too. They've got some pitfalls. So I think in terms of a matchup, Habs are right where they want to be. They might slyly lose some key games just to stay in that spot We're, and not leapfrog Boston. I, I'd actually disagree with you on that one. I think they'd like Boston. <clears throat> I think in recent history, you look at last two to three years, hmm. Montreal has had the Boston Bruins number. 
You, wow. you, you watch these games head-to-head in the regular season. Montreal's winning the bulk of them. Carey Price is in the head of Patrice Bergeron and, and yes. Brad Marchand. Claude Julien, he's in their head. I think that would be a great series. Oh, that would be... Sign me up for that. We've got... Uh, any way you cut it, Nick, we've got an amazing series coming up. What, what I don't want, the most boring out- outcome, is Toronto-Boston, of course. Because we've seen that narrative yeah. play out before. Yeah. So if we can avoid that, then something magical is going to happen yeah, g- in the g- first g- round. Give me Leafs Islanders. Give me Boston Montreal. Two yes. great series. Or Montreal Toronto. Any one of those, and we'll be uh, we'll be happy. And, and of course, that would actually put them in two separate brackets. That would put Toronto interesting yes. in the Metro bracket. Yeah, Montreal in the Atlantic. So you could have a conference final between the Boy, two. Boy, yeah. Three. God, I, I, you got to think Toronto would love to be in that Metro bracket. Because I, I don't think they really truly fear anyone in that bracket. Look, you got Tampa and you got your arch enemies, Boston, in this bracket. You just don't, don't want to be there. They, they seem to match up better with those other teams. Like when, exactly. Pit, when Toronto plays Pittsburgh, they play them well. When they play Washington, they play them well. Yeah. <clears throat> even though, yeah, and they were mentioning that even though Toronto did face Washington a couple of years back, it's not the same kind of Even kind Columbus, of even Columbus, they tend to win against Columbus. Yeah, like, I mean... Fuck it! It almost seems like a shoe, and yeah. for them to win it against against any of those guys. But we all know anything can happen. So, yeah, we're just crossing our fingers for a cool little matchup. But we got to move on here, Nick. Uh, funny, funny, funny storyline here. Randy Carlisle has finally been let go, mercilessly chopped from the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it? I never thought I'd see the day. I don't know how often this happens, but Bob Murray, the general manager who's got zero coaching experience, not even at the peewee level, is the current interim head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. And wouldn't you know it, they won their first game one nothing <laughs> on a crazy shutout from, uh, from that rookie goaltender whose name escapes me. But boy, oh boy, what a crazy little experience. I mean, think of what the players are thinking. Like, the guy that signs your contracts, that pays you all the money, he's going to be in the he's going to be in the room. He's going to be running the practices, well, semi running the practices. This guy's got his microscope and he's got his magnifying glass on all these guys. He's character hunting. Right now, he's he's thinking how how am I going to switch up this roster? Who's working in this, you know, this social dynamic and who's not working and who really wants to be here? So this this Bob Murray guy, he's onto something. I mean, he knows they're not going to do any winning this year. So what he's doing is he's doing his due diligence and he's learning a lot about the players from a coach's perspective. It's it's a really interesting situation. And and yeah, it's, it's an interesting tie-in here. The Dallas Eakins tie-in. That's where oh. I want to go with this. Because this brought me back to, I believe he was laid off with the Oilers. McTavish, he took over from like a more managerial role to a coaching role. And he kind of did the same thing, the same kind of headhunting. Mm. So this brought me back to there. And then the funny thing with the Dallas Eakins tie-in is he's the coach of their AHL team in San Diego. I bet you didn't know they had a hockey team in San Diego, did you, Kyle? Well, the, I I think I might have known. <laughs> the the Gulls. The Gulls, yes, <laughs> yeah. of course. So he's there. Apparently, they're having a great season with all those young studs. The, uh, the Troy Terry and... Sam Steele. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they don't want to. They don't want to mess with that chemistry. No, they got some guys coming up for sure. Yeah. They do. So so they're letting him kind of finish out the season there. I assume he'll come in next year when Murray's mm. done doing this kind of purge of these you know bad spirits Fair. luring around the yeah. Dallas <laughs> or sorry the Anaheim bench. Fair. But but I, man, I gotta be honest. I'm still confused about that uh, Cogliano <laughs> trade. It kind of came out of nowhere, and I I've always liked him. He's always he's like an Iron Man. He played like 700 straight game. St. Michael's College School alumni, mm. character guy, character written all over him. He was like a face of the Ducks. This guy was there with Perry and Getzlov from from the old days. For them to just trade him for like nothing, like it was basically like a swap with him and some other player. I just thought that was very odd. Mm. And I'll tell you what, since they made that trade, they've been they they have been on the streak. It has not been for the better. Mm. And you look at Dallas. Huge winning streak. They've been fantastic since that deal. So I, I, I don't get that deal but that Bob Murray made. I, I really don't. And I think it's really costed them. Yeah, and you got to think it, it might just rub some of the, the veteran guys the wrong way. When you when you trade a good dressing room guy for what, seeming, what seems like not a whole lot to your group, you, you almost lose the trust and the, the confidence from your top guys like a Getzlaff kind of thing. So, yeah, you definitely don't want to be... Uh, 
getting those guys on on your bad side. But uh, I don't know. And, and Cogley, I know he used to, he used to be a really fast guy. I think he might have won the fastest skater good, competition good way player, back. Yeah. yeah, way back when he was on Edmonton. So yeah, it's a it's a curious little thing. But uh, this whole Bob Murray thing, I gotta think maybe maybe they're a little bit better than they were when they're in their huge losing ways. I mean, uh, I can't see them getting any worse than they were before. They just shut Gibson down, mm. which is a great move for perfect. What you want to do now is you want to lose pretty consistently. So I'd say, yeah, give everything a go. Experiment. Whatever whatever happens, happens. You know, and uh, and just lose with dignity. With dignity. And I think uh, this is a good draft for them to, uh, to help stock those cupboards, which are not that bad even. So, yeah, you know what... Uh, the Anaheim Ducks will fade into the wind this season with some pride and uh, in, in, and in good form, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, the future looks bright. You talked about the talent they got in San Diego. The guys who are coming up right now, you tack in another first rounder this year with the, with the depth of the draft coming up. As you know very well, you've studied it very closely. Even if you don't get Jack Hughes, you're going to get a quality player if you choose in that in that top, you know, eight range, mm. which looks like they're going to be in. So, hey, I, 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 I know it's different for the fans there. They're used to getting a playoff run every year, seemingly. That, that's been the story there in Anaheim. But I think they just got to stay patient here and, uh, and, and, and wait on and see what happens. And yeah, Nick, just to quickly finish off on Anaheim, with this whole retooling, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, you got you have to wish and hope that you've got a little bit of life left in guys like Getzlaff and Perry and, and these older guys that still have some contract money tied in because, I mean, eventually those guys are going to disappear and get, get replaced. But uh, if you want any success in the next couple of years, you're going to need something from those guys. So... That, that's that's the last little bit on Anaheim. But when when we're in the basement like this and when we're talking about negative, why, why not keep going? And, and let's go to the Avs, Nick. The Colorado oh, I Avalanche. I can't wait to talk about this team. I got, I got, a, I got a lot of notes here. <laughs> <clears throat> so, do you want to start or do you want me to start? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, uh, don't talk I want about... to start. I'm going to start go on ahead, this one, go okay? Ahead. Yeah. Because my, mine are more like excuses and, and trying to... Okay. Just our mutual friend Raymond Ferraro. Oh, he had he had the he had the benefit of seeing this team twice in person this week. Once in Winnipeg, once in Colorado, when they played the Leafs. He said, "Quote: This team's spirit is broken. Yes, for a team of, yes. of Nathan McKinnon, <laughs> for his spirits to be broken. That's uh that that's that's pretty rough. Uh, this team, and hey, I'll give you a Pierre Maguire lowdown here too." Pierre looks back to December 17th. We are recording this podcast February 15th, about two months after this date Pierre points to. Up in that, up until that date, December 17th, this team was on fuego, going, going nuts, okay? Then Barry Trotz and the Islanders come into Colorado. They execute a perfect, perfect game plan. They shut them out. And Kyle, since that very night, two months ago, Colorado is five wins and 20 losses. Five and 20. Pierre Maguire's theory is that night Trotz executed a game plan that all these teams have now been copying, trying to just power on that first line. They're not worried about the other units. They've been, it's a copycat league. That's what these pundits keep saying. And sure enough, that seems to be the case with how these teams are just rolling over the, the avalanche. And, and if you look at the standings now, they've fallen out of a playoff spot entirely. They're a good, you know, three, four, four points back. Um, one of the worst power plays in the league of late. Uh, this is a team that had a, in my opinion, two good goal, two two good goaltending that was going to, like it, it just wasn't unsustainable. Unsustainable goaltending from the start. They were getting nine forty save percentages. That wasn't going to carry on. You were getting unsustainable production from your top line. That was historically good numbers. That was like numbers from the nineteen eighties. That couldn't have that couldn't have held up. Uh, to me, this looks like the team that I predicted from the start of the season. I told you this team was not going to make the playoffs, and I look to be on my high horse right now. Oh, and one more thing. I cannot believe that I believed in this team at some point this season, because I did. You did. I did. I watched did. a few games, and I was like, this team's awesome. Pierre was talking about this team potentially being in a final, <laughs> final. against the Leafs. Tampa. So, uh, Tampa, yeah. Oh, this could be a final <laughs> he right said here. That. 
you know what? Like we were all we were all kind of on that boat because those color glasses. We we saw so much out of these guys. We saw like you know the goaltending and and the defense had some balance. Uh, we knew they were a one line team, but what are you gonna do? Now I'm gonna try to justify as much as I can here and hopefully bring some some light back into this dark place. Um, so how I it's a great theory by the way by by Pierre that. You know the one of the be- the best defensive coach in hockey figured them out, and that everyone's copying that. But I mean that that that's one theory. It's possible. But uh, I'm looking at this team, and I'm looking at the season, and I'm thinking to myself, th- this top line has carried a one-ton load up a hill for the entire first half of the season, and they did a formidable job. They were talked about as one of the best lines we've seen in, in recent history. Now, when you talk about the spirits being broken, I think it, it it ties into these guys a little bit. Just knowing mentally that you have to be on, your line has to be clicking, there has to be chemistry and, and production every night or else you're probably going to lose. Now, I know it's, a, it's something top players should expect, you should expect out of these guys, but I, I can't imagine the mental rigors of, you know, you're being keyed in on every night, every single day you play. There's a coach f- simply figuring out how to stop your one line. And that, that's got to be hard on these guys. Uh, now, I think they have... I think they have they have a chance of pulling themselves out of this, but it's, it's going to have to start where it stopped. It's going to have to start with this top line. If these guys can figure out a way to become superhuman again for a, a, a two-month stretch, we're going to need two months, then I think it's possible because we all know this team has the character, the heart, the pure guts... As we all know from that uh, that amazing playoff round last year, um, but things are too many things have to correct themselves, and and you know what, uh, it's a long shot to pull themselves out of this, but they're not too far statistically and point wise, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but uh, it, it's going to take a lot from this top line. You're going to have to see Rantanen and McKinnon in MVP form for the rest of the year for them to have a, a good shot here. And, and you can't say the opportunity's not there. Oh. Because the way these Western Conference teams are fighting for that final wild card, it, it's like they're on a bunch, they're, they're all on tricycles. Yes. And they're slowly ridiculous. making their way to that playoff, <laughs> playoff, you know, race. And, 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 you know, and. Everyone's taking a turn losing a wheel and falling over. Basically, that's what this Everybody. is. Everybody. You can be a 500 hockey club and be in that playoff spot right now. Yeah. It, it's a historically bad year for the West. And, the, hey, if they don't make it, they'll look back and say the opportunity was there. I mean, everyone was not playing well, just as poorly as we've been playing of late. Mm. And, and it was there. So they got to hunker down, have a short memory, forget what just happened the last two months. And like you said, just turn on the engine for two more months here and try to figure this out. What I will say in fairness is, is they've had a very tough schedule. Mm. Palacious, as Pierre would say. Really? Nashville. Oh. Toronto. St. Louis. I looked back at the schedule three weeks ago and I said, these next three weeks are going to be very tough on them. And, and they have been. And, and they're still going to be tough for the next three. I believe they've got like Nashville, Winnipeg, and like Chicago coming up. Three That's tough nasty. games. Yeah. But after that, it evens out a little. So, you know, you, you hope they get it together here. And, and, and I, don't want the, I don't want you fans to get, to, to, to get the wrong picture here. I like this team. I like the coach there at Bednar. I like the media members there. I really love the commentary team. I like the fan base. I really want this team to go far. So I, I think it's there, and I would love nothing more than for them to get that final wild card spot. In any way you slice it, Nick, whether they do good or whether they do, they do bad, there's no denying this organization is still in a fantastic position. We always pump the toot the horn of uh, Kale McCarr over there, and he's continued to From do... From the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Yes, indeed. He continues to be amazing. He's leading the voting in Hobie Baker Award nominations, uh, and there's a, a very, very faint chance that if the Colorado Avalanche do make a push late, that he will join the team, uh, and barring any injury or whatever, he could... He could he could jump into that lineup. But again, that's that's out there because his team does well in the NCAA. But they're in a fantastic position. Ottawa free falls continually, and they're going to be losing some star players in in uh, in the near future. So it just looks bright for this team. And uh, and whatever happens, it's, it's okay, but we'd love to see a push from these guys. So if you're ready to move on, we could uh, – 
get into the let's blues. do it we i got a lot here to more talked about so let, let, let's move on from this sad story in Colorado. yeah so the blues the exact they, opposite uh, kind the of exact fitting. literally the exact opposite so uh they're killing it they also suck uh, <laughs> they also suck and i <laughs> what, how do you define that what's the analysis they suck there? they suck they're, they're riding a wave of good luck they beat <laughs> luck. Co- they beat colorado today three nothing somehow i don't know jake how that allen happened. pitched a shutout how the hell did like what <laughs> that's just you, you know that's the bad omen of 32 colorado. saves yeah what the fuck happened there you know allen's fighting for his job in the nhl right now with bennington stepping up allen's like if I don't get this uh, shutout here, I'm done. Oh, he is. Yeah. I, I'm going to be in the ECHL in a month. Pretty much. So this he he stepped up today. I didn't watch the game or anything, but uh, good for him. But uh, we're looking at Jordan Binnington here, aren't we, Nick? You wish you had him in fantasy, don't you? I do not. Really? He's going to fall off a Nine, cliff. 9-1-1 one and, one and, and all those splits? He's going to fall. He's going to fall. Eh? As Bob McKenzie always says, the league always corrects itself. So, so as I get into my playoffs in fantasy, he's just going to fall off. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, exactly I'll that. that. Or a week before a week that, before. so you have doubts in your mind. Okay, then I just pick up Allen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell Braden to pick up Allen. Oh, don't do that. Come on. <laughs> Well, no, I, I don't know. The what I wanna what I wanna ask you is, there was a lot of talk earlier on in the season when they when they really did suck. You know, we're moving Petrangelo. We hate Tarasenko's fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, what's their trade deadline looking like? We we got about a week to go. Are they buyers now? Are they fully confident in themselves to to make a push here? Or are they going to kind of stand pat like a Montreal situation? I'm, I'm going to redirect you to last season. Okay. There was a significant move the St. Louis Blues made last season around the deadline. Do you remember what that move was? I, I know they traded away a guy and people were pissed. Paul Stasny. Right. And you had leaders in that dressing room like Petrangelo saying, what's going on here? We, we're, we're in a playoff spot and, and Dougie Armstrong's trading away or one of our top centermen. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I think they're kind of in a similar scenario. I, I, Doug, like, if you go off that MO, this GM doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's just going to trade away all his assets, his prospects, his picks to make a run. But he's also not the guy who's going to sell away his whole team because then you're going to have guys like Ryan O'Reilly calling him out. So the way I see it, I think they're going to stay pat. They're going to maybe make a minor move to upgrade, but then simultaneously make a minor move to get like picks in the future. It's a smart way, smart savvy way of managing where you're 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 contending for a playoffs and you're contending for a cups but you're also keeping your window in the future open. And that's why we've seen this team even with their depth up top, all these great players like Tarasenko O'Reilly, they got all these prospects, Thomas, Kairou. I mean, they're all there. So I, I, I see him doing the same and and I don't blame him. And I also want need to give him credit Doug Armstrong because we were a month ago talking about the Tarasenko trade and how he could have been dealt to Carolina. You know, there were rumors out there and he could have done it. This team was in a shitstorm, and they got it together and they, they fired the coach, brought on the new coach and, uh, they were stayed patient. He stayed patient and, and you look at where they are now and it's, it's a, one of the best stories in the league. Hmm. And, uh, do you know how those guys are doing? Kairou and, and Thomas, Thomas off, has been great. Thomas, Thomas is a game changer. Inserting, he provides. He doesn't score often. The numbers aren't there, but certain games he provides this instantaneous offense. When the top guys aren't producing, mm. Ruby throws him on the ice, and he just makes a nice play. Like he makes a nice scoring play. He either sets up a goal or scores a brilliant goal, and 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 it's really nice. Kyrie, he's been up and down. Less, I can say less about him, but uh, you know it. it it, they're in a good place. You had a Jaden Schwartz who was injured for a long time. He just came back. He's he's, he's been relegated to more of a two-three line role, Ooh, which has been good because you're getting the production out of the top line, the Shen O'Reilly Tarasenko line. Guys like Schwartz, he he plays more of a two-way game. You don't ask so much out of him. He provides more depth offense. Bozak just came back from injury. He's kind of the same kind of guy. Uh, I, there's nothing to dislike about this team. I mean, the defense has been sound. And, and I just need to get this off, too. Craig Berube, he will be a candidate for the the uh, the, the Jack Adams Award. No. If you recall, I was sending you clips earlier this year of Mike Yo after games, right? And he'd, <clears throat> he'd stand at the podium, and I think you'll agree with this. He, he was very dramatic. 
he'd always be like, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and fix this. Or I got to be better as the coach. This is unacceptable. Yeah. And he'd always, like, he's just drama. Like, he, he, he's throwing out drama for no reason. Yeah. And it, it was just odd and out of place. And if I were a player, I just wouldn't want to play for a coach like that. I'd just feel a lot of pressure every night. And apparently this Barubi guy, and, and this has been told firsthand from these experts who've been showing up to the games, you know, much more chill. You see it in the press conferences after the game. He just he just talks the facts. He's more he's more just blunt. He he doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat anything. But he's also not a drama queen at the same time. He just says it as it is. And apparently the players love him. They they wanted him. They they gave up on Yo just to get him as their coach. And you look where they are now. It's it, it's just really really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I gotta be honest. I, I haven't been pleased watching their ascension. Uh, we had that. We bet. had that bet, which the fans will not forget about. <laughs> no, what what bet, Nick? Like who finishes higher, Edmonton? No, 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 no. There was no bet. You're just okay. <laughs> you're just in denial now. I'm in just tossing it out of your mind. So I've lost the bet already. <laughs> it's impossible, like literally impossible for me to win. It's almost mathematically impossible. Come on, you got Edmonton. They got Miko Koskinen. Come on, you got Edmonton. the Hitchcock. Edmonton. I said there was an 80% chance of this team getting into the playoffs. Edmonton? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another team we all flip-flopped on. Like, oh, you never know. (laughs) I I still believe in them. What are you talking about? I haven't given up on Edmonton. How could you not give up on Edmonton? They got a shot at the final wild card. They don't. They got a shot. They have have way less than a shot than the Avalanche. They're going to make a trade. They're going to... What are they going to trade? Heard, you, heard, you heard those For what? You heard those Bulliardi? You heard those rumors of Hitchcock oh. he was sitting in the stands at practice talking yep. to Keith Gretzky? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you think that conversation's like? I think it's like <laughs> let's uh let's shut this down in the most noble way possible. You think so? I do. I think that's I need more of this. I need more of this. Oh. Get this for me. No, 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 no. You know what the way that uh that Hitchcock shat on his team in the, in the public eye <laughs> The other day, did you like that? Pissed. No, I, I didn't like that. He said something like, uh, you know, that the coaches can't care more than the players. When that happens, we're all sunk. And you know what? I'll tell you this. The, the, the players did not take that lightly. You, you heard some interviews. You heard Dreisaitl saying, oh, that's not the case. I don't know uh, why he would say that. You, you don't say that. The, the players, they want to win. It's just something's not working. And uh, Hitchcock, he's a he's a penguin, and he's not a good guy. You know, I don't. What I don't like about that is this guy has never played in the NHL. Ooh. This guy's never even played like semi-pro exactly. hockey. He came out of a play against sports sharpening hockey skates. Did he really? Yes. No. Yes, in Edmonton. Yes. Really? Yes. Not a played again, but like some sports sports good some store. shop. Yeah. And he, he met he, he met, met he ran the he ran the store and he became okay. an NHL coach. I'm wow. Yeah, great story. But anyways, <laughs> this is a guy who's never laced up a pair of skates in his life. So it's a huge statement. So it's a bold statement. I think we can both agree it's a lot harder to play in the NHL than it is to coach in the oh, NHL. Fuck yeah. yes. Any of us can coach in the NHL. We could win a game coaching Fucking in the right. NHL. Absolutely. So for this guy to say the players need to want it more than the coach, like <laughs> Come on, shut shut that up. If, if you don't know the difference between coaching and playing, you, you have no you have no authority to be making that call. If this was a p- former player, then maybe I pay attention. But for Hitch to say that, I lost a bit of respect for him on that one. It's a huge penguin comment, seriously. Um, did you see the rumblings about Pulyarvi? I did. About his agent coming out and saying, We don't know if Edmonton's the right fit. Uh, we'd be open to a trade, a lot, something along those lines. And uh, boy, what a tragic situation we've seen in Edmonton with this guy. I mean, just such a just such a raw talent, and they, they've seemingly ruined his career. And if I may interject, this you is may. another reason where Pierre got, got it right. Flashback. Let me guess. He said something obvious, and it made it sound like only he what was draft saying did, it. What draft did he go in? Which draft 2016, was that? right who was first, after. Who was the first overall there? Matthews Line, and Matthews then Line. Pierre-Luc Dubois, and then Pugliarvi. Exactly. So that's where I want to redirect you here. Columbus, who's their GM? Yarmo. There you go. A- apparently, they've got the most, they have the strongest boots on the ground kind of <clears throat> presence in f- Finnish scouting, given he is their GM. They know these players the best out of any other team in the league. You had pundits like Bob McKenzie 
well, I don't know if it was Bob, but you had a lot of pundits come that third pick who were saying, all right, Yarmo, this is when he just takes the finish kid, you know, Everybody. the finish kid. He's just going to take the finish kid. Yeah. What's he do? He goes up there. What's he say, Kyle? Uh, from the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, guy, and guys like Pierre said, this was the right pick. This kid's going to be he a He didn't star. say that right away. He didn't? There's no way he said that right. I don't know. He said he I, was going to be, I don't know. Now he says I, he's a star. I would be very surprised he, if. He, this morning he was like, look at me, look at it now. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a star? And that, uh, that kid from Edmonton? Nowhere close to being a star. Oh my God. Could you... I'm going to say two things. First of all, I'm not listening to what Pierre says with this until I see or hear the clip. Okay. Show me the clip. Find it where he says, now, uh, third overall, here's what I would do. Or, or even when he's drafted, I want to hear Pierre say, well, you know what? Uh, this is exactly what the, the Columbus needs right mm -hmm. now. This is exactly what they need. Now, now, the second thing I want to say. Now, can we flip this? Can we say that... Columbus did draft Pugliarvi and Edmonton got Pierre-Luc Dubois. What kind of situation is Edmonton in? Would this not look completely different for them? Like what what a what a game changer this guy would have been. Imagine him as a a second line role. You've got Drysaddle in in uh, on that McDavid slot. Nugent Hopkins sliding in right beside Dubois, or even a third line guy. Things look a lot was, different. Was, was Dubois even in that potato challenge thing? Oh no! See, he wasn't. You got to consider that. You have to consider. You, ha that. you could have Barzell and Dubois and Taylor Hall and Eberly. But that's more of like a that's luck filthy. thing. That's that. That's a luck thing. That's not what they they had control over. Who but was who was the consensus three pick in that draft? It was, was Pujar. Okay, absolutely. Okay. All the way. Okay. After they saw that World Junior with wow. Line A and, and Pujarvi and Aho was on that line as well. Hmm. They were like, this guy's the real deal. Wow. Like, they, they knew. And maybe he just had a hot tournament. Like, I, the, the book is still out on this guy. I mean, who knows what would have happened if he went somewhere else. But, like, what a, what a crazy scenario if Edmonton got a little bit, little bit more lucky and got a, a Dubois. That would have been unbelievable for yeah. them. But. No, I, I think this guy has to be on the trade board for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I, heard, I heard some rumors about Chicago maybe being a fit. We'll see. They love to take these reclamation yeah. projects. Yep. So uh, look he, at the pizza man. There you go. He's killing it. He He's, is killing it. That is that. It's a big win. It's That's a huge a win. win. That that was such a savvy move on their part. They uh, they saw an opportunity and they pounced. It really really good on them. He's fitting right in on that second line. Yeah, and for years to come too. No, like uh, he's such a young guy. That young kid, Colleton. He's he's really insulated him well with those players there. Yeah, playing him with the leaders in Kane, but then also playing him with the younger guys. He has chemistry with like the Debrinkets. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a good story there in Chicago, um, which I believe leads us to our next topic. Am I right? Yeah, actually, I, I was gonna bring this up later, but what a great segue! Uh, so in the East and West, we're seeing two. Uh, potential miracle stories a la Hamburglar. So we're seeing Philly obviously continue their winning ways. They, they had their streak snapped recently, but uh, they're back in the win column tonight. Uh, so we've got Philly making an unbelievable push. And, uh, and we've also got Chicago doing something very, very similar in the West. I mean, these teams were guys, people wrote them off long, long ago. My question to you is this. Do we do we choose a Chicago team with a new up and comer coach and a pizza man and a strange goalie, or do we choose the Philadelphia Flyers with a seemingly very good roster, rookie goalie Carter Hart? Now he's got a mentor named Cameron Talbot. Uh, what what are we doing here, Nick? Who who do you have making more likely to make this miracle run and, and make a solid solid go at uh, a last wild card spot? See, it's almost unfair because on paper, I almost like the Flyers more. I I, I, I would agree. I, I like I like the younger kids on their team. I just saw Konechny today score that game winner. Oh, he had a great goal. I was I, jumping off the I picked him up in fantasy. I, I like the guy, and and you see, and you, the Nolan Patrick was hot earlier. He scored again this afternoon. He had three points tonight. You got the veterans always are, who are always going to be there. Couturier has been on fire. Anyone would love him on your fantasy team right now. Fucking love Couturier. This they they look to me like the more talented team. I like the Talbot move that they just made because it yep. gives you like a proven backup to mentor the kid Hart. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Hart, he's got to respect this guy. This is a guy who just started over 70 games in one season and put up yep. Vezina splits. Oh, yeah, I don't he's... care about what he's done this year. That's a debacle there. I think it says more about the team than the goaltender. That, that was a great pick, and they gave up a Stolars for him. He's on an expiring contract, so you kind of get to dictate the terms of where it goes from there. Yeah, I, I really like that move. Um, so for, I, I love their team all around. And uh, But as I said, it's an unfair question because I like the context of a team making a run in the West more than the East. Because mm. if you look at like if you look at who Philly has to go past, they gotta they gotta they gotta get past Pittsburgh or Columbus or Washington it's tough. or Islanders. Super tough. It's super tough. Yeah, and 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 I just don't see one of those teams falling. I think the eight that are in the East right now stay there, and I don't think you can deny that. Carolina's a good story. Buffalo's a good story, but I'm sorry, I don't know if they got enough in the tank. Whereas in the West, I could easily see Minnesota dropping out, or or Vancouver dropping out or Colorado, or even Dallas. I mean, those are teams you can foreseeably leapfrog. So mm. I, I like Philly more, but I think Chicago's in more of a, uh, you know, they've got the advantage with where they're placed right now. Mm. Not to mention Chicago's uh, just a mere three points out, which is super in wow. reach. And and Philly's got six points to make up. But at the same time, the wild card I'm going to throw out here, Nick, is uh, what does Columbus do in their extremely egregious situation with with their expo- with their guys Panarin and Bobrovsky? They're troublesome Russians. If if they lose those guys and they they've been a little shaky recently, uh, tension has been a little bit high for them, and this next week is absolutely crucial for what happens to them in the future and, and definitely for the rest of the season. So if they do f- screw up this this trade if they do make a trade somehow or trades then uh, we, we could see them having some wobbly tires here nick so you know i i think that's the the wild card and i'm with you on the fact that i like philly more but uh but chicago is in a prime spot to make a miracle run i mean it's it's just like st louis they're they're surging right now so We'll um we'll keep a close eye on that, but we'll we'll quickly move on. I want I want to quickly get into the Di Pietro uh, debacle yes. here. So the lead story of the week. Lead story. So just quickly, uh, he got called up on an emergency basis. Of course, we know that, and uh, he got into into a game, guys. He played against San Jose for his first NHL game, lit up like a Christmas tree, mm. and there was a lot of stinky goals out there, Nick, including that flubbery blubbery the shot fly. from the uh, yeah from the blue line. Uh, this has got to hurt his confidence, but we know he's got some some character in that little noodle there. So <laughs> why don't you talk about uh, that interview he had right after the game? Oh, man. First off, for a kid, for a 19-year-old to face the media in Vancouver after that debacle, that, I mean, that, you, you got to, you, like, I don't know how you do that. You got to have some cojones to do that. Like that, that, that was a character move. That's why I selected him to be on my Olympic team for things <laughs> oh, like that. Oh my God. And, and, and boy, I was so surprised. I was just happy he had an interview. And then I listened to the interview, just so well-spoken there for his teammates, said all the right things, how he's going to build from this. I just feel terribly bad for the kid. You go from playing one night in that shitty Kingston arena that I just attended where the fans are eating those giant bacon sticks, bacon on a stick, and the, qu- and, the, and the quality of the play is just a shit storm. And, yeah. and the next night you're taking snapshots where Evander Kane's going bar down on you. I mean, like, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you face that? I mean, it's, it's just adversity. If that's not adversity, I don't know what is. And uh, I got to applaud the kid. I know, I know he got beat, but uh, I, I think it was, it was, it was, uh, he'll, he'll regroup from this. I, I think if there's anything to read into here, it's, it's how Vancouver treated him. And I think you'd agree. Yeah, and like if it was me, Nick, and I went through that same thing, I'd be wanna, I'd wanna hide my myself all week from the, those people, the cameras. I'd wanna disappear, go into a cave, go into a submarine in the Atlantic, anything. I'd wanna get the hell out of there. But so great on him for taking the interview at all. Uh, one more thing I wanna say on this is shame, shame on those Canucks for playing so bad in front of them. They stunk. They stunk that night, like, and they they said themselves we were embarrassed by the product we put in front of this rookie goaltender, and that they they mentioned that in the interview. So, it, it sucks that the Canucks played like that, and good for them for owning up for it. But it, it doesn't change the fact that you know you should be really fired up and give this kid 
you know, your best effort. And it simply wasn't there, which is disappointing. And see, I thought you were just about to say shame about the management. Because this, mm. to me, was a debacle. And I, 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 don't yeah. want, I don't want to give you a history lesson here. I know I'm quite the historian, but I don't want to go too deep into their depth chart. They had right. like a they had the Bachman guy in AHL. He was their guy. Bachman. He got injured or something. Then they picked up McKenna from Ottawa, and, right. and they had him for a little bit. But but then there was a weird situation where they wanted to send him down, and he got claimed off waivers. So like they lost him, and 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 then and then of course you had uh, Demko, his camp knocking on the door saying, "Hey, we got to get him to the NHL. We don't want him in the AHL anymore." He comes up, he gets injured. And you, these guys are falling like flies. Mm. And so these management people in Vancouver are like, well, DiPietro's the only guy we got left. So uh, let's call him up. And, mm. uh, you know, he won't have to play anyways. You know, we'll just give Markstrom all the starts and it, it won't be a big deal. Next thing you know, Markstrom, he goes down. And then they're like, well, now shit, what do we do? Now, now we got to play him. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like they just didn't plan for it. They, 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 and like the day after that that debacle by Di Pietro, they go out and sign some rando. Yeah, as if they couldn't do that a few days earlier. Yes, I mean it's just G- poor management one hundred and one. Shame on the team. And uh, man, you just you got to shake your head at, at situations like that. Now I, I have a very strong theory on on what went through their heads in this situation. Now I think at the beginning of the season, any reasonable hockey person would have agreed with everything you know don't bring this guy up don't send him to the wolves but we saw something crazy happen in the last few weeks and that is carter hart now we're all against i was certainly against do not put carter hart in this situation especially on this tire fire flyers team what he what everyone saw what the league saw was that a 20 year old goaltender had the capability to not only play in this league but play well so i think that's why the canucks management thought you know what Let's try this. Let, let's give it a go. Let's uh, put him in the situation and, and see what happens. If he has a Carter Hart type of type of run and he looks comfortable, great. If not, then we'll chalk it down to, you know, we gave you your experience. So in that way, I, I totally get where they're, uh, why they tried what they did. But uh, let's wipe our hands and move on from this, Nick, because, I mean, I'm sure that's what DiPietro wants to do. He wants to say, you know, dream come true, like he said, but... It's not the outcome I wanted, and I'm going to work on what I, what I, what my falters were in the game. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't blame the Canucks management too much. They got excited by the Carter Hart situation. Yeah, and uh, you know, good news is he's, he's he got sent down to the 67s, um, and uh, you know, as as a fan in Kingston, I'll, I'm happy to say I'll be seeing him again in, in three weeks or so. I'll, I'll be sitting behind young Di Pietro as he makes his start in that Kingston arena. I'll be wearing a Vancouver Canucks jersey, proud, yeah. and nice. uh, and we'll see how he reacts. Yeah, that, that's great, Nick. The, just the fact that you have a Canucks jersey yeah. is a fucking miracle. <laughs> I still don't know the story behind that. Why do you have that Luongo number one? Well, I just loved Luongo when he was there. Yeah, I thought okay. I thought he was the shit. Nice. And and the great thing is, if Di Pietro ends up getting the call up, he wears the number one. That's his number in junior. I just take off the name. I get Di Pietro on there, and yeah. I got a new jersey. Yeah, what does he wear now? What does he wear now? Number it, one. Oh, he does, eh? He wore 75 when he got called up, okay. but I think that was just an emergency yeah. thing. Gotcha, But with gotcha. the junior team, he, he wears one. Yeah, so Nick, we got time for one more topic. I, I have to be selfish with this one. There's there's a topic that I, I simply must touch on before we before we call it quits here. Um, Alexi Lafreniere has made, uh, made the headlines uh, this week, and I think... It's uh, it's really interesting what's going on, Nick. Now we all know the hype about this kid, and he's just absolutely tearing up the queue. At, since he came back from the World Juniors, he's been on a tear. Now I'm gonna say something that I didn't even know until I looked it up recently. He's tied for first now in league scoring as a 17 and a half year old, and uh, that's with playing a lot less games than the other guys because of that world junior stint. So the guy's now leading the league in points and is D minus one year. It's insane what he's doing. He had an absolutely dazzling outdoor game where he scored two beautiful goals. Um, And then aside from that, he made uh, headlines by stating that he'd be staying in the Quebec major junior hockey league for next year. 
Now, a lot of speculation was out there that he would go to Europe to play a season similar to Matthews where, you know, he plays against older guys, a bit heavier, faster game in the Swiss League, perhaps. And uh, and he put that to rest. He simply said, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm going to stay loyal to my team. Things are going well here in the queue. Ramuski, it's a good team right now. We have a shot at maybe a Memorial Cup. And he didn't want to put that away. And I say that's good for his development. Why change what's going right? And um, I think if this trajectory continues, Nick, he's living up to his billing right now. And especially if they make noise in the playoffs. Like this, this guy just continues to to wow people with, with his production. It's uh, It's truly remarkable. And we haven't seen something like this out of the queue for for a long time. McKinnon didn't put up these numbers. Uh, Juran certainly didn't put up these numbers in in uh, in this age. So it's it's remarkable. It really is. Yeah. Well, you're the expert on this junior guy. I'm not going to talk too much. But what I will say is, you know, I, you know very well. I wasn't too impressed with his performance of the World Junior. That's really the only chance to get to see these guys, especially the guys out east or out west, not the guys in the OHL who I can see live. So, uh, it's, hey, I love hearing this. It's reassuring. I'm cheering for this kid. I just personally have yet to see it, and I look forward to maybe see him. You know, is his team maybe going to be in the Memorial Cup? Is, is the Marmuski, like, right up there? They're, they're winning a lot of games lately, Nick. Like, okay. it's very possible. Originally, in the first part of the season, they weren't uh, in that conversation, but they're surely in the top ten in the CHL recently, for sure. Okay, there's well, there's yeah. a chance. Fingers crossed they, they can make it and qualify for that because I, I do tune in for that, and that would be a nice little stage for him to, to really put up some points on. Yeah, and we're just really quickly, the uh, the under-18 World Championships, which he was in last year as a 16-year-old, is coming up. So he's going to be in the prime age to to hopefully dominate that hmm. tournament. And he, he was one of the better players as a 16-year-old. So you could even see it's possible. I'm not sure if it can happen, but you could see a Jack Hughes-Alexi Lafreniere uh, matchup in that tournament. So that's something we would really love to see for sure. All right. Well, uh, with that said, we are going to end this episode on that note. Uh, we look forward or we're happy you guys all tuned in yet again for this episode 26. Uh, of course, there was not a lot we got to touch on, but we will get to it next week. We got another Leafs-Habs game coming up next Saturday. That'll be exciting to talk about. Uh, we couldn't get into the pa- the weird Pasternak injury, but uh, needless to say, next week we'll have stories about guys cutting their fingers, cutting chicken breasts, uh, guys taking tennis balls off their eye oh in boy. practice, a yeah. bunch of goofy stories like that in, in honor of, of the young David Pasternak. So... Uh, Unless you got anything to add, Kyle, I think that's that's a good little teaser of what's yeah. com- what's up to come, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we I think we ended on that note. I think we are solid, Nick. We're just uh, we're gonna keep our eyes glued to the screen and, and keep your eyes on the trade bait board. I can't right. wait to that's see coming what. Up uh, too, yeah. I mean, the Ottawa guys are coming to a head here. They right. should have figured that out already. We should know by now whether they're looking to move these guys, but we don't. Uh, and that will just be amazing, amazing content once it happens. So. We can't wait, and hopefully by next week we have some huge, huge news to discuss. But uh, without further ado, Nick, uh, it's been a great episode, and this is Rink Moose. Signing off.